Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. This is Season 6, so sit back and enjoy. Listen to some stories of the weird, of the odd, of the strange and unusual some ghost stories, some cryptid stories, some just strange stuff. Again, welcome to Season 6. Enjoy! Hello everybody. This is Terry from Texas. I remember back in the days of the Age of Aquarius, there came an explosion of paranormal concepts particularly items which exhibited supernatural powers. You could make a pyramid from straws, from drinking straws, and put your razor underneath the pyramid and it would sharpen itself. You could build a larger pyramid and sleep inside of it, you know, just the frame. Sleep inside of it and you'd get better sleep and better health. Just odd, odd concepts like that. One such group of items that came around were the crystal skulls. I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, maybe you saw the movie about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Well, they were described as having various supernatural powers which could be used to aid humanity or take a terrible toll. Crystal skulls are human skull hard stone carvings made of clear or milky white quartz, also called rock crystal. Claimed to be pre-Columbian Mesoamerican artifacts by their alleged finders. However, these claims have been refuted for all of the specimens made available for scientific studies. The results of these studies demonstrated that those examined were manufactured in the mid-19th century or later, almost certainly in Europe, during a time when interest in ancient culture abounded. The skulls appear to have been crafted in Germany, quite likely at workshops in the town of Idar Oberstein, which was renowned for crafting objects made from imported Brazilian quartz in the late 19th century. Despite some claims presented in an assortment of popularizing literature, legends of crystal skulls with mystic powers do not figure in genuine Mesoamerican or other Native American mythologies and spiritual accounts. 
The skulls are often claimed to exhibit paranormal phenomena by some members of the New Age movement and have often been portrayed as such in fiction. If I remember correctly, some of the stories were that, specifically I believe it was with the Mitchell Hedges skull, if you looked at it, there would be blue lights looking back at you from the eye sockets. Crystal skulls have been a popular subject, appearing in numerous science fiction, television series, novels, films, and video games. Trade in fake pre-Columbian artifacts developed during the late 19th century to the extent that in 1886, Smithsonian archaeologist William Henry Holmes wrote an article called The Trade in Spurious Mexican Antiquities for Science. Although museums had acquired skulls earlier, it was Eugene Boban, an antiquities dealer who opened his shop in Paris in 1870, who is most associated with 19th century museum collections of crystal skulls. Most of Boban's collection, including three crystal skulls, was sold to the ethnographer Alphonse Pennart, who donated the collection to the Trocadero Museum, which later became the Musée de la Homme. Many crystal skulls were claimed to be pre-Columbian, usually attributed to the Aztec or Maya civilizations. Mesoamerican art has numerous representations of skulls, but none of the skulls in museum collections came from documented excavations. Research carried out on several crystal skulls at the British Museum in 1967, 1996, and 2004 shows that the indented lines marking the teeth for these skulls had no separate jawbone, unlike the Mitchell Hedges skull. They were carved using jeweler's equipment or rotary tools developed in the 19th century, making a pre-Columbian origin untenable. Now, I guess people could have worked on them after they were found, but it still throws it back to a questionable artifact. The type of crystal was determined by examination of chlorite inclusions. It is only found in Madagascar and Brazil, and thus unobtainable are unknown within pre-Columbian Mesoamerica. The study concluded that the skulls were crafted in the 19th century in Germany, quite likely at workshops in the town of Idar Overstein, which was renowned for crafting objects made from imported Brazilian quartz in the late 19th century. It has been established that the crystal skulls in the British Museum and in Paris's Musée de de la Homme were originally sold by the French antiquities dealer Eugene Bobin, who was operating in Mexico City between 1860 and 1880. The British Museum Crystal Skull transited through New York's Tiffany & Company, while the Musée de la Homme's Crystal Skull was donated by Alphonse Pinard. 
an ethnographer who had bought it from Boban. In 1992, the Smithsonian Institution investigated a crystal skull provided by an anonymous source. The source claimed to have purchased it in Mexico City in 1960 and that it was of Aztec origin. The investigation concluded that this skull was also made recently. According to the Smithsonian, Boban acquired his crystal skulls from sources in Germany, aligning with conclusions made by the British Museum. The Journal of Archaeological Science published a detailed study by the British Museum and the Smithsonian in May of 2008. Using electron microscopy and X-ray crystallography, a team of British and American researchers found that the British Museum skull was worked with a harsh abrasive su substance such as corundum or diamond and shaped using a rotary disc tool made from some suitable metal. The Smithsonian specimen had been worked with a different abrasive, namely the silicon carbon compound carborundum or silicon carbide, which is a synthetic substance manufactured using modern industrial techniques. Since the synthesis of carborundum dates only to the 1890s and its wider availability to the 20th century, the researchers concluded the suggestion is that it was made in the 1950s or later. Perhaps the most famous and enigmatic skull was allegedly discovered in 1924 by Anna Mitchell Hedges, the adopted daughter of British adventurer and popular author F.A. Mitchell Hedges. It is the subject of a video documentary made in 1990, Crystal Skull of Lubantin. It was examined and described by Smithsonian researchers as very nearly a replica of the British Museum skull, almost exactly the same shape but with more detailed modeling of the eyes and teeth. Mitchell Hedges claimed that she found the skull buried under a collapsed altar inside a temple in Lubantin in British Honduras, which is now Belize. As far as can be ascertained, F.A. Mitchell Hedges himself made no mention of the alleged discovery in any of his writings on Lubantin. Others present at the time of the excavation recorded neither the skull's discovery nor Anna's presence at the dig. Recent evidence has come to light showing that F.A. Mitchell Hedges purchased the skull at a Sotheby's auction in London on October 15, 1943, from London art dealer Sidney Burney. In December of 1943, Mitchell Hedges disclosed his purchase of the skull in a letter to his brother, stating plainly that he had acquired it from Burney. The skull is made from a block of clear quartz about the size of a small human cranium, measuring some 5 inches high, 7 inches long, and 5 inches wide. The lower jaw is detached. In the early 1970s, it came under the temporary care of freelance art restorer Frank Dorland, who claimed upon inspecting it 
that it had been carved with total disregard to the natural crystal axis and without the use of metal tools. Dorland reported being unable to find any telltale scratch marks except for traces of mechanical grinding on the teeth. And he speculated that it was first chiseled into rough form, probably using diamonds, and the finer shaping, grinding, and polishing was achieved through the use of sand over a period of 150 to 300 years. He said it could be up to 12,000 years old, although various claims have been made over the years regarding the skull's physical properties, such as an allegedly constant temperature of 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Dorland reported that there was no difference in properties between it and other natural quartz crystals. While in Dorland's care, the skull came to the attention of writer Richard Garvin, at the time working at an advertising agency where he supervised Hewlett Packard's advertising account. Garvin made arrangements for the skull to be examined at Hewlett Packard's Crystal Laboratories in Santa Clara, California, where it was subjected to several tests. The labs determined only that it was not a composite as Dorland had supposed, but that it was fashioned from a single crystal of quartz. The laboratory test also established that the lower jaw had been fashioned from the same left-handed growing crystal as left-handed growing crystal as the rest of the skull. No investigation was made by Hewlett Packard as to its method of manufacture or dating. After all of this, Anna Mitchell Hedges refused subsequent requests to submit the skull for further scientific testing. The earliest published reference to the skull is June of 1936, issue of the British anthropological journal Man, where it is described as being in the possession of Sidney Burney, a London art dealer, who was said to have owned it since 1933 and from whom evidence suggests Mitchell Hedges purchased it. Mitchell Hedges mentioned the skull only briefly in the first edition of his autobiography, Danger, My Ally, in 1954, without specifying where or by whom it was found. He merely claimed that it is at least 3,600 years old, and according to legend, it was used by the high priest of the Maya when he was performing esoteric rituals. It is said that when he willed death with the help of the skull, death invariably followed. All subsequent editions of Danger My Ally omitted mention of the skull entirely. In a 1970 letter, Anna also stated that she was told by the few remaining Maya that the skull was used by the high priest to will death. For this reason, the artifact is sometimes referred to as the Skull of Doom. Anna Mitchell Hedges toured with the skull from 1967, exhibiting it on a pay-per-view basis. Somewhere between 1988 and 1990, she toured with the skull. She continued to grant interviews about the artifact until her death. In her last eight years, Anna Mitchell Hedges lived in Chesterton, Indiana with Bill Homan, 
whom she married in 2002. She died on April 11, 2007. Since that time, the Mitchell Hedges skull has been owned by Holman. He continues to believe its mystical properties. In 2007, Holman took the skull to the office of anthropologist Jane McLaren Walsh in the Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural History for examination. Walsh carried out a detailed examination of the skull using ultraviolet light, a high-powered light microscope, and computerized tomography. Holman took the skull to the museum again in 2008 so it could be filmed for a Smithsonian Network's documentary, Legend of the Crystal Skull. And on this occasion, Walsh was able to take two sets of silicon molds of surface tool marks for scanning electron microscope analysis. The SEM micrographs revealed evidence that the crystal had been warped with a high-speed hard metal rotary tool coated with a hard abrasive, such as diamond. Walsh's extensive research on artifacts from Mexico and Central America showed that pre-contact artisans carved stone by abrading the surface with stone or wooden tools, and in later pre-Columbian times, copper tools, in combination with a variety of abrasive sands or pulverized stone. These examinations led Walsh to the conclusion that the skull was probably carved in the 1930s and was most likely based on the British Museum skull which had been exhibited fairly continuously from 1898. In the National Geographic Channel documentary, The Truth Behind the Crystal Skulls, forensic artist Gloria Noose performed a forensic facial reconstruction over a replica of the skull. According to Noose, the resulting face had female and European characteristics. As it was hypothesized that the crystal skull was a replica of an actual human skull, the conclusion was that it could not have been created by ancient Americans. The crystal skull of the British Museum first appeared in 1881 in the shop of the Paris antiquarian Eugene Bobon. Its origin was not stated in his catalog of the time. He is said to have tried to sell it to Mexico's National Museum as an Aztec artifact, but was unsuccessful. Bobon later moved his business to New York, where the skull was sold to George Sisson. It was exhibited at the meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science in New York City in 1887 by George Kuntz. It was sold at auction and bought by Tiffany and Company, who later sold it at cost to the British Museum in 1897. This skull is very similar to the Mitchell Hedges skull, although it is less detailed and does not have a movable lower jaw. The British Museum catalogs the skull's provenance as probably European, 19th century AD, and describes it as not an authentic pre-Columbian artifact. It has been established that this skull was made with modern tools and that it is not authentic in terms of being a relic.
It is authentic in the fact that it is real. That's it. The largest of the three skulls sold by Boban to Alphonse Pinart, sometimes called the Paris skull, about four inches high, has a hole drilled vertically through its center. It is part of a collection held at the Musée de Quai Branly and was subject to scientific tests carried out in 2007 and 8 by France's National Center for Research and Restoration of the Museums in France. After a series of analysis carried out over three months, C2RMF engineers concluded that it was certainly not pre-Columbian. It shows traces of polishing and abrasion by modern tools. Particle accelerator tests also revealed occluded traces of water that were dated to the 19th century. And the Quay Branley released a statement that the test seemed to indicate that it was made late in the 19th century. In 2009, the C2RMF researchers published results of further investigations to establish when the Paris skull had been carved. Scanning electron microscopy analysis indicated the use of lapidary machine tools. That's tools that they use to form jewelry, uh, put facets on diamonds and such, in its carving. The results of a new dating technique known as quartz hydration dating demonstrated that the Paris skull had been carved later than a reference quartz specimen artifact known to have been cut in 1740. The researchers conclude that the scanning electron microscope and the quartz hydration dating results combined with the skull's known provenance indicate that it was carved in the 18th or 19th century. The Smithsonian skull, catalog number A562841-0, in the collections of the Department of Anthropology, National Museum of Natural History, was mailed to the Smithsonian Institution anonymously in 1992 and was claimed to be an Aztec object by its donor and was purportedly from the collection of Porfirio Diaz. It is the largest of the skulls, weighing 31 pounds, and is 15 inches high. It was carved using carborundum, a modern abrasive. It has been displayed as a modern fake at the National Museum of Natural History. Some individuals believe in the paranormal claim that crystal skulls can produce a variety of miracles. Anna Mitchell Hedges claimed that the skull she allegedly discovered could cause visions and cure cancer, that she once used its magical properties to kill a man, and that in another instance she saw in it a premonition of the John F. Kennedy assassination. In the 1931 play The Satin Slipper by Paul Claudel, King Philip II of Spain uses a death's head made from a single piece of rock crystal lit by a ray of the setting sun to see the defeat of the Spanish Armada in its attack on the Kingdom of England. Claims of the healing and supernatural powers of crystal skulls 
have had no support in the scientific community, which has found no evidence of any unusual phenomena associated with the skulls, nor any reason to further investigate, other than the confirmation of their provenance and method of manufacture. Another novel in historically unfounded speculation ties in the legend of the crystal skulls with the completion of the previous Maya calendar, Bak Tun cycle, on December 21, 2012, the day the Earth didn't end, claiming the reuniting of the 13 mystical skulls will forestall a catastrophe allegedly predicted or implied by the ending of this calendar. An airing of this claim appeared, among assortments of others, in The Mystery of the Crystal Skulls, a 2008 program produced for the Sci-Fi Channel in May and shown on Discovery Channel Canada in June. Interviewees included Richard Hoagland, who attempted to link the skulls in the Maya to life on Mars, and David Hatcher Childress, proponent of lost Atlantean civilizations and anti-gravity claims. Crystal skulls are also referred to by author Drunvalo Melchizedek in his book, Serpent of Light. He writes that he came across indigenous Mayan descendants in possession of crystal skulls at ceremonies at temples in the Yucatan, which he writes contained souls of ancient Mayans who had entered the skulls to await the time when their ancient knowledge would once again be required. The alleged associations and origins of crystal skull mythology and Native American spiritual lore, as advanced by neo-shamanic writers such as Jamie Sams, are similarly discounted. Instead, as Philip Jenkins notes, crystal skull mythology may be traced back to the Baroque legends initially spread by F.A. Mitchell Hedges. By the 1970s, the crystal skulls had entered New Age mythology as potent relics of ancient Atlantis, and they even acquired a canonical number. There were exactly 13 skulls. In the movie Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, the story of the skulls was warped enough to make the skulls as being elongated, thus being alien in origin. In apparent reality, the skulls were all replicas of human skulls. Since many of the skulls had been subjected to scientific examination over the years, their supposed Mayan provenance had been busted, and official claims say most of them are only 100, maybe 200 years old. So. More mystery taken out of the mysterious. What a shame. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for being along for the ride. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. Aaron reads listener stories, mostly ghost stories, sometimes UFOs, sometimes cryptids. On Tuesday, Aaron Frail brings you Aaron's Horror Show, different things that he's written. He reviews movies, books, things like that. 
On Wednesday, it's me, Terry from Texas, with Terry's Mysterious Moments, where we talk about just about anything there is to talk about. Aaron has instituted a new area called Entertaining Short Films. That's exactly what they are. They're just short stories, nothing in particular, no particular genre, just entertaining. Remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have Apple or Android, download the RPA app, which is a black square with a blue eye in the middle of it. Download that to the device that you listen to the program on. Install it, and when you open that up, you can go straight to the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and its network. So all the all the stories that are involved with RPA are there, so you don't have to go hunting for them. If you want to contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments, you can do that on the Facebook page, and it's called Terry's Mysterious Moments, or you can email me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. Contact me if you want to. Let's talk about some things. That's about it. We'll be back again. Listen to the other shows. Have a good week, everybody.